Hey, it's Lynn Galadner, and this is the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm founder of the Your People Marketing and PR Agency, and I lead the Make Meaning Movement, a platform that helps purpose-driven visionaries and leaders do business with meaning. On this podcast, you'll hear stories of how people dare to take chances to live the life they want with meaningful work and purposeful days. There are many ways to fill your life with meaning. Join us at makemeaning.org to learn more. Now, on to the show. past year has brought with it a lot of tumult and upheaval, a global pandemic with a high rate of fatalities and precautions that turned political in the United States, a presidential election year that saw vitriol and hate lead the conversation, racial turmoil that turned deadly, and of course, the economic effects of prolonged lockdowns and closures in an effort to protect the population from surges in the spread of the novel coronavirus. But there was so much good, too. I, for one, can attest that I no longer wake to a jarring alarm clock, but instead rise fully rested, ready to start another beautiful day. I've cherished the time at home and on forest trails with my four teenagers and my amazing husband. To be honest, my husband and I have grown so much closer in the past year, and now when he goes to work two days a week, I miss him. Despite all the horror of the past year, I feel grateful for this new focus on what truly matters and the simplification of our formerly busy lives. Research shows that many couples have grown closer due to lockdowns and quarantines, and I can say that has been true in my world. I cherish my relationships so much more today, and I'm not sure I want to return to the busy, cluttered times of the past. At the beginning of the pandemic, people wondered whether we'd see a surge in breakups or a slew of pandemic pregnancies to represent all this time shut in together in close quarters. Today on the Make Meaning Podcast, I invite two special guests to join me, my husband, Dan Kaladner, and my best friend, Elisa peskin Shepherd, who is a divorce lawyer in Michigan. We will discuss the pandemic effect on relationships and what we are taking as lasting lessons from this unique time. Dan and Elisa, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Well, Dan and Elisa, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm happy to have you guys here. Thanks for letting us be here. It's great to be here. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Seriously, this is like the most fun interview that I've ever done because A, we're in person for the first time in over a year. And B, it's two of my favorite people. So what a fun episode. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But we're here for it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, cool. So I'm going to start with the good news. Since March of 2020, I've been at home with my husband, Dan, pretty much all the time. In late summer, he went back to work two days a week, but for the most part, we spend the majority of our time in the same place. I'm going to admit the first few weeks were rough. I don't know if you feel that way. Weeks, months. Uh, 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 (laughs) We had to get used to being together so much, but it didn't take long to really grow to love this. I love seeing you all the time, and I think it's been good for our relationship. What do you think, Dan? Yes, dear. I think it has been. No, <laughs> something, something, something about being home more changed something about us. Yeah. What do you it think did. it changed? It changed. Um, well, not only did we have to go through a pandemic. Uh-huh. So here's the parents trying to figure that out. Yeah. But also, so so we had to like do a different way of communicating before. Before we go to work, we have our separate lives for eight hours out of the day, come home, make dinner, scramble around, try to figure out things. We were able to figure out things immediately. 
face to face. Yeah, it was interesting because, you know, I've always worked at home. Really, that was, it was like hard for me to get used to having other people around when I was working because this was my domain during the day. Mm -hmm. Like you guys all left, the kids went out, you went out. So that's why I think it was hard for me in the first few weeks. And you were like so attentive. I don't know if you remember, but you'd come over like mid morning and you'd be so like eager to give me a kiss. And I'm like, I'm busy. I can't, I can't give you a kiss right now. And then eventually I remember I started coming to you to give you a kiss and you're like, I'm busy. I can't, you know, and it was like, (laughs) wait, what? And I felt so bad because I realized that's what I had done to you in the beginning. Mm. But I think it took me like, I don't know, a few weeks or a month to like turn that corner. And then it was just so nice. Like, I think we had, we would like make dates occasionally for lunch together, Mm -hmm. which was really cool. Mm -hmm. And I know you used to text me when you were at work, Mm -hmm. like little love messages and whatever, but now we actually just got to see each other. And it's like, I think it was like that the, the time was slower. And so we could appreciate having time together and like really talk and really see each other instead of running. I have to go to this kid's soccer game. Or right. I have to take that kid there or whatever. Like we were always dividing and conquering. That was like the first nine years of our relationship. There, there was a couple of times. I was not a couple of times. There was a lot of times where we'd be in bed together at the end of the day. Say, where are you? What's going yeah. on? Yeah. Or, you know, high five each other as we passing each other because I'm going here. You're going there. I'm picking up this kid. You're picking up that kid. We didn't have that for this year. I know. So we were able to slow down. Yeah. It was, it was like, I hate saying that because I know the pandemic's a horrible thing. Like, I'm just going to put that out there. The pandemic's a horrible thing. And so many people have died and there are so many economic effects. Like, let's just get that out of the way. But personally, I feel very privileged that I have been able to see good in this time. You know, like I, I'm the kind of person that just has a super busy schedule all the time. And I wasn't, I I couldn't in the past year Mm -hmm. because everything got canceled. There were no in-person meetings. There were no plans with friends. And by the way, I think I realized that I felt like social pressure from social media to have plans with friends that disappeared in the past year. Like nobody's going out to dinner. Nobody's going to restaurants. Nobody's having parties. So I didn't feel bad that we were like at home on the couch watching Netflix, (laughs) you know, like that became our thing. And like, I don't feel bad about it. I'm sure I will when it ends, but probably peer pressure. But this whole thing, yes, it's a horrible thing has happened. We've had a strange 2020 yeah starting with the pandemic blm then the elections everything insanity right yep but through the whole time we were able to evaluate we we're able to slow down to evaluate yeah we didn't have that chance before when before pandemic imagine before pandemic and the elections and blm happening how fast would it go yeah. we would not be able to breathe and take it in and digest it and reflect it that was one kind of like meaning we've had through that this year. We were able to sit with each other yeah. and reflect instead of maybe a phone call from work. Oh, okay, uh, this, 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 X, Y, Z, and then hang up and go. And or I'll see you. why didn't you call me from work today? You haven't called me in three weeks from work. I'm why, busy. Leave me alone. Me? <laughs> I'm working on something. It's very nice stress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, I think I will say, I feel like I am so much more in love with you now than I ever have oh, been. That's I love true. You too, babe. <laughs> but I, I think that, it's this time together. It's this past year, um, this slowing down and like really seeing each other. And I just think we've gotten closer and, and we've, and we've worked more as a team. We've always been a good team, Mm -hmm. but, um, I remember in the beginning of the pandemic when it was total chaos and everybody was like looking for a toilet paper and what, and flour and yeast. Yep. (laughs) You were the guy. You want to talk about that? I had to go hunt and gather. Yeah, you did. Where you had to stay back with the kids and protect the cave. I was too afraid to go <laughs> into the stores. It was like daunting. Yeah, but it's true. It's like it's, this is my role for this first month yep. to get through this. Yeah, it's like, and you had your role, and we were able to communicate about it, and we worked. We worked as a team with it. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. it's really true. They didn't freak out the kids. We were freaking out inside. What the yeah. hell is going on? The pandemic's yeah. crazy. No, we 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 put a good front up. I have to credit our kids because I know that they wish so many things had been different. We had a senior graduating last year. We have a senior graduating this year. It sucks that they didn't get all the normal rites of passage, but they have really taken it in stride. Our kids have have weathered this pretty well. I do think that it's possibly in part due to how we've been. We've been calm. We've been happy. We've been connected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we haven't argued. Um, we've just been like really at ease. And I think that that's so important for the kids, you know? Yeah. They can feel a a love in the house. Yeah. And especially when we have game nights and we're like pounding out eighties tunes late at night, (laughs) like that's really, that helps, you know, that definitely does. So yeah. yeah. Mom singing in a bathrobe and yeah. It always helps the kids to see that. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. For our listeners, I just want to tell you, we met in 2009 and our kids were very little then. Mm -hmm. So we never, ever had that beginning of the relationship time to just discover each other because I had three young kids, you had one. And it was always about like, is this going to go the whole way or not? Because there were kids involved. Um, And it was like a year and a half later that we got married in 2011. And we have always loved our alone time. Like one of, it's funny when I got divorced, I was like devastated to think of not having my kids even one night a week or every other weekend. i I grew to love that time because it was time I could catch up on exercise or sleep or work or all of the above, see friends and whatever. And, but for us, it really meant that we had guaranteed date nights. So we never had babysitters for our kids because we could go out on Tuesday nights or every other weekend. So we always had that time together and we've always enjoyed our alone time, like really cherished it. Um, Except for the first day of vacations. For some reason, we're always fighting on the first day of vacations, but hopefully that doesn't happen anymore. We've learned. I hope. I hope. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you get to take a vacation. Whenever that right? vacation comes around. Oh, it's coming, but we'll get to that. But um, but I think I think part of it is that we had to learn how to love each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, like, what do you think we've done that has made our relationship grow and succeed? Over the past 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. I listened to you. Yes, oh, dear. come on. You don't always listen to me. No, no. Let's be all. totally honest here. Really? Totally honest? Yeah. Oh my, I don't think our audience is ready for that. Oh my God. I don't know that I'm ready for it and I'm sitting right here. I what was the question again? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think we've done that made our relationship grow and succeed? I think it is that our our every other weekend helped either not only well, helped one to get a lot of our energy out. So we had some fights. Yeah. Get it out there. And so it wasn't in front of the kids as much as possible. We tried not to do it in front of the kids. Or those those weekends, that was the time we were reconnected. We were spoiled yeah. that yeah. way. Yep. And I think we were lucky enough to realize that, uh, consciously, maybe subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And also we worked on ourselves. Yeah, that's true. We both did. You know, a lot. As you know, stats say the second marriage doesn't last that much, but I think we're we overcame it because we yeah. we knew something was deep for both of us mm-hmm. and we didn't want to give up mm-hmm. without a good fight. Yeah. And we're still fighting to keep it together. Yeah. You know, it's the good fight. You know, I think I learned somewhere in the middle um, of the last 10 years that like being married to somebody is a choice every single day. Mm -hmm. And that um, one of the things I learned for myself is that I, I can look at my partner and say, these are the things that annoy me about you. Cause there's always going to be stuff Or I could look at you and be like, I'm not going to choose to see that part of you. I'm going to choose to see what I love about you. And like realizing that it all was within me. It's not like, oh, if only he would change, our relationship would get better. It was more that I had to choose to see the good. Mm -hmm. And I think once I made that shift, 
I think our relationship really got better. Yeah. You know? You can't put out all the fires. No. So and that's what it is. We're going to annoy you. Oh, you're going to annoy me. I don't think I'm going to annoy you, but. Oh, never, dear. You no, never know. I, I'm perfect. perfect. <laughs> so what do you think was different about this last year? So like, what did we do consciously that made this closeness happen? This like sort of love re-blossoming or something? Well, I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. I think we consciously, because we would, we would say this to each other. It's like, let's not disappear from each other for the eight hours while we're working. Yeah. Let's make sure we see each other. So yes, I would come over and give you a peck on the cheek and say, good morning yeah. or good afternoon or hello. And that kind of thing. Yeah. And you would do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Once we got in that groove, mm-hmm. we did. Yeah. And then when we really, and that's the small thing, there's a lot of other things, but that's yeah. just an example of how we try to keep connected without ignoring each other. We, we did that. And so there wasn't that loss of seeing each other because mm-hmm. it easily happened. Yeah. I, I could have been eight hours gone. Yeah. You too. Mm-hmm. You know, in the mm-hmm. same house. In the same house. Yeah. Which is, can easily happen. Right. You know, I mean, I think also we took important time for ourselves, which is super important for relationship. So, like every single day, you know, my tennis closed down, the pool closed down. I couldn't do my normal exercise, but every single day I would go for like a three mile walk by myself. I'd listen to podcasts, I'd bundle up in cold weather. But that was really good for me to have like that sort of time alone to like recalibrate. So we weren't always around each other. No, you need that little break. Yeah. Because every, every hour on the hour is like, so what's new? I have nothing to say. I have no idea, honey. Right, <laughs> right. Do. But, you know, you come back from your walks, talk, tell me about your podcast that you listen to. Yeah. Or what you were thinking about, make the dinner or whatever that is. Oh, and also another thing is like, yeah. we'd have a special Friday night. Yes. Yes, that's actually really big. So, you know, the kids go to their other parents every other weekend and you started making dinner for me. Mm-hmm. We were just saying, we wish we had collected all these recipes because every single one of them is amazing. <laughs> but like, you're like, you're going to have this. Then you'll like, tell me the menu Friday afternoon. And we just, and we would sit in front of the TV only once did we sit at the table. But what, why was that? I think we just wanted to talk to each other. <laughs> but most of the time we're like, you know, oh, we'll just binge our latest show or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, still it's, it was the connection. It was a connection. Yeah. Another connection folks. Yeah. Got to keep those connections going. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And we would hike. We've gone on a lot of hikes. A lot of walks, a lot of hikes. You know, we also took um, a vacation to Northern Michigan, renting a house um, where we had the kids with us, but we took all the food. So we didn't have to worry because we weren't going to eat out because it was still the pandemic. And um, I think it was like the best vacation we've ever done because it was just so like manageable and it wasn't rushed and it wasn't expensive. I mean, that's huge too, because I think one of our big stressors before the pandemic was money. Mm-hmm. And I think that so much of that fell away in the pandemic. It showed us what we really need and what we really don't, like luxury versus necessity. So I think after the pandemic, we probably won't revert to spending so much like we did before because we've seen that we can be happy with less. Yeah. You know, but that trip up north was amazing because we would get up. The, before the kids because they're teenagers and we'd walk into town and get a coffee and sit at Lake Michigan and and we just always had that time for each other and we also we weren't rushing around going to restaurant to restaurant to restaurant or yeah. uh, activity 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 yeah wake up it's like today we're going either to hike this hill or we're going to this beach right what is it folks yeah because we're not in a hurry or anything. And we'd make breakfast and then we'd pack lunch and then yeah. we'd come back for dinner. And, and that's another thing too, sitting down um, for dinner every night together. 
you know, that was, that's been great during the pandemic too. Now I want to bring Elisa into the conversation. Hi. Hi. So thanks for enduring. It's been great watching you two interact like this. (laughs) We're so in love. What can I say? (laughs) You've said some really interesting things that I hope I can um, bring up as we continue this discussion that, that I heard you say that affect relationships and give, gives me a good perspective. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad. I mean, it's funny to put this into one episode because we're talking about what has worked for our relationship in the past year and how we've grown stronger and closer and more in love. And now I'm turning to you, a family law expert, divorce attorney, um, who has more than 30 years of experience in the field. I also want to look at the other side of the coin. And I want to know, have you seen any difference in the past year as far as number of cases or kinds of cases that have come your way? So that's a very interesting question. Um, the cases that I had that were already going on became much more intense. Okay. The intensity of bringing people together who are breaking up, mm-hmm. but now they're in the same household. Oh, yeah. The intensity to get things done at a time when courts were closed down, courts were pivoting and figuring out how can we accommodate our our clients or our the, the our litigants while we can't be in person mm-hmm. there so everything slowed down for a good period of time mm-hmm. in the court system but for the people who were living together nothing changed for them it just got more intense oh. so those cases that were started before the pandemic and then were continuing during the p- pandemic definitely got more intense okay um, and and intense with like I want this done. This needs to get done. Or the issues got more intense. Cases didn't really start coming in because of the pandemic. At the beginning of the pandemic, I know a lot of people did talk about oh cases are going to spike. They're going to spike. Mm-hmm. I anticipated, and it's really true that while people were living together. Most people were not bound to start a divorce at that time, mm-hmm. but that after the pandemic when it ends or as we get vaccinated and as people are moving about more, now we're seeing, now I'm seeing an uptick in mm-hmm. the numbers of cases that are, that are starting. Okay. I had inquiries, a lot of inquiries during the first six or eight months of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but people didn't have the privacy to talk about things. So right. I had people calling me from their cars. So now you're starting to see that as we're into sort of the second year of the pandemic and you're starting to see those cases come your way? I'm starting to see more cases. But I will say that most people that I've spoken with, it's not that the pandemic caused their divorce. There were problems before. It's just that it intensified those problems or it gave people more time to think about Mm -hmm. those problems that they were experiencing and what they could deal with and what they couldn't deal with. Okay. Not everybody is as fortunate as the two of you to be able to form a stronger connection, Mm -hmm. but you had a good foundation to start with. So I think if you didn't have that good foundation, it would be hard to do that work Mm -hmm. while you're in the same household dealing with the issues that the pandemic brought on, whether it was loss of job or kids scheduling or just being around more. You know, it's interesting because I don't, I don't want listeners to think that we had this like cakewalk of a relationship. Like, I think a lot of things aligned for us and we definitely have that deep connection, which is the foundation for our relationship. 
but we had very rocky times over the course of like many years. Mm -hmm. And it was not because we were merging families. Like our kids merged instantly. They get along better than we did for a while. Oh yeah. And they are like real siblings, even better than real siblings. They don't fight as much as real siblings, you know? Um, So we've had a lot of alignment in that way, but we had very rocky roads. Mm -hmm. And so I do want people to hear that, that it's, it was, we made a choice. I remember having fights and saying, I'm not going to divorce you, even though I hate you right now. And you probably thought the same thing. Never. No. Yeah. (laughs) But no, seriously. I mean, I feel like. Seriously, we were at points where it was like, well, again, fighting the good fight. Yeah. We were fighting hard, but we're fighting good. It's like, okay, not going to go that extra ledge. (laughs) When you look at it and step back for two seconds and put the ego aside. Yeah. It's worth fighting for. Right. But yeah, so I want people to know that, that like we made a choice. Right. We're going to get through this, um, even though it was hard. And there were times when we were just like, how are we going to? You made that choice before the pandemic hit. Yes. And so building on that foundation allowed you to continue to connect in the ways that you did connect. The things that I heard when the two of you were bantering back and forth that really struck me, one was that you you like Lynn had the house to her to herself so to speak um, because she worked from home and suddenly Dan was working from home and the kids were at home schooling yeah and if I think about um, people who become empty nesters mm-hmm. or say how can I go into retirement with this person it's it's kind of a parallel situation yeah. so people are surprised to hear when um, couples over 50 or 60 start to get divorced, you think, oh, it's a cakewalk now. But it's really not because you're changing lifestyles. So Mm -hmm. the pandemic kind of mimicked that change in lifestyles and way of life and way of living. The two of you still respected each other's separate space Mm -hmm. um, and recognized the need to still check in with each other during the day. So instead of a text message, you were able to walk into the other room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And your kids had their separate spaces to do their work as well. Yeah. But you recognized the need to still be an individual person. Yeah. Didn't need to be in each other's space all the time. And I think that was something that was really important. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I mean, that's I love that you pointed out that that's a parallel to empty nest and retirement, which is true. I hadn't thought of it that way, but um, but it is like that constant effort to keep the relationship going and growing and making sure you have time together and things in common. You know, I think that's super important. Um, But I think that, you know, part of it also that you're saying is that, you know, having that individuality, like I think the best relationships that I've seen are when two people are completely whole individuals separate from one another you know, like they'll travel alone or they'll, they have their own interests and their friends and they don't always have to check in with each other or be together in those instances. They could do their own things because they trust that they're going to come back together and share that space. And I think that's what makes a relationship endure. And, you know, I also think that, you know, one of the things that I, when we sort of hit that, that coast that we were like, we got this, um, and we sort of turned a corner from like, are we going to get through all the yuckiness or whatever? I, I personally, I don't know if you did this, but I started reflecting back on my first marriage to wonder if, if I had shifted my perspective, would I have been able to have that one last? Just asking the question, because for so many years, I was blaming him and he had lots of things to blame. So I'm not going to free him from that. But 
but I was really looking more reflectively at, you know, could I have shifted a perspective and been more successful? I don't think so in that instance. I don't think we were well matched. I think that, you know, we had some, I don't know, synergy, but it just wasn't what you and I have. But it was at least humbling, but also instructive to to be able to reflect on myself and see where my responsibility was in that. Did you ever look back and look back? The only thing I look back on is what I learned from that. And if I did look back, yeah, it would be something to the effect of not giving enough attention. Yeah. Taking things for granted. Yeah. Which is a huge thing for guys. Yeah. You, you know, when I was going through my first, my divorce, it was like, everything was about the guy just taking advantage of the whole situation, uh, not cooking and not doing this, not shopping, not doing this and taking advantage of the whole thing. And it's like, that's what I learned from it and still hold it. Yeah. And you remind me very well when I fall into that little, <laughs> little trip trap of being a guy yeah. and not reflecting and not realizing how much hard, harder you are working. Okay. Well, I just, to be fair, one of the things you're so great at, well, you're great at a lot of things. And we were talking about that this morning, that our relationship is very egalitarian, like laundry, cooking, garbage, cleaning. Like we really do share that. It's not like as the woman, I'm doing more of that. You might be doing more of that, to be honest. But you are great at buying little cards and leaving them for me. <laughs> not at normal occasions, but at like unexpected times and normal occasions. And I felt so bad <clears throat> because I... I'm really bad at that. Like I just, I, I blow off holidays and birthdays and whatever. So this Valentine's Day, you got what, three cards from me? Yep. And you're like, whoa, what is this? I'm like, I got to make up for lost time, right? Because <laughs> you've been so good at that. Every single room in this house has cards from Dan to me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really bad. <laughs> so so you, you're very good at paying attention. Well, thank you, I appreciate it. I, appreciate I do. It Back to Elisa. I did some research for this episode and I found two prevailing and contradictory messages. Mm -hmm. So one is a message of greater unity and love that came from the pandemic. So I saw a study that revealed that 63% of couples say they've become closer during quarantine, including greater physical intimacy and some even deciding to have a child. And so it appears that people have adjusted their routines to carve out more alone time and more together time as a couple, like we did, like eating or cooking together, cuddling on the couch to watch Netflix, which we do like every single day, um, exercising together, which we don't quite do, but it's a good thing to strive for, mm. you know? Anyway. You hike, you hike together. There we go. Yes. Okay. Thanks. We do occasionally. Yes. yes. Um, so scientists at the University of Texas at Austin did a study that showed that relationships have continued as normal with maybe a slight boost to happiness. And one researcher said, how we think about our relationships and about our partners is a very important predictor for relationship satisfaction. So how we think about our relationships. So working so closely with the relationships that are breaking up, what do you think about this? Like this, that it's all a mindset. Do you think that has any impact to, you know, like that people maybe aren't looking at their relationships in the right way or they're not realizing the power in how that perspective is or that they can choose that perspective? What do you think? I think that by the time the people have come to me to get divorced, they have thought that through because nobody makes the decision to get divorced quickly. Sure. It's usually a process that they've gone through looking at their relationship, maybe working on their relationship. So I think that by the time they come to me, they've gone through that. Can I change my perspective? Is it something about me? Most people do that. Being in the house together, being around each other all the time. I mean, maybe younger people made choices like to have a child, but we don't really know, did they have a child? Because it was a good time 
It's, it's way easier to be pregnant and have a baby and be able to stay home with your baby during this pandemic. I do know a number of people who, who did, I mean, in the, in the one year you could get pregnant and have a baby. <laughs> yeah. Nobody at work would know because they're only seeing you from, you know, the, the chest up. That's a good really. point. Yeah. So I, I feel like there were decisions made to have babies for that reason. Okay. Not to take away from the closeness that other people were able to form during the pandemic. Except with all this free time, there is more time to have sex. If your kids aren't around. Oh, but people find ways to have sex when kids are around. But privacy is still an issue. Yeah, I guess. You can be really quiet. You can be quiet. <laughs> but I'm thinking back to when my kids were home. It, like if if mom and dad escaped for an hour, the kids would notice that, where are you? Mom, dad. <laughs> so banging on the door. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, good point. That's a good point. Um, I didn't go through the pandemic, a pandemic situation when I was married, but I can just see that happening. Yeah. 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 Escaping. There's reasons to have a minivan when you're married with young kids, not just to park the kids around. Oh, I love uh, that. I love that. So the other perspective I found in my research, total opposite, is that the pandemic has been bad for relationships. So basically, there's no conclusive evidence in either direction. We could find whichever side we want to choose. But so there's actually something called the quarantine breakup. Have you heard of this? Yes. Okay. So it's either a new relationship that fizzled out or an old relationship that were thin due to being stuck inside together. So that body of research cited pandemic effects like increased unemployment, economic hardship, work stress as adding to the trouble on the relationship or the burden. So Elisa, what do you think that aside, like in general, what are the biggest factors that lead to breakups, especially divorces? During the pandemic? Just in general. Like, I feel like you're going to say something like unemployment or economic hardship, or I don't know, like, are those factors that usually lead to breakups or is that unique to this time? And, and the tried and true factors that lead to divorces are different. I do not believe that those things are unique to these times. Okay. I think when people are doing research, they can research for what they're looking for and see only that in front of them, which is why we have this, these two schools of thought, Mm -hmm. but in, in general, in a relationship, I've always believed that the underlying any other issue is a breakdown in communication. Okay. So if you're not able to communicate, then you can't communicate when there is stress over finances or a job loss. Okay. Breakdown in communication. If you're, if somebody's not happy or just not related to the relationship and you can't talk about your own feelings, that's a breakdown in communication. If when it's not pandemic, you can't talk about the kids going to this activity and that activity and how you're going to manage it and 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 be t- a team and what did you call it? Um, uh, With divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. Yeah. That's a breakdown in communication because then it falls on one person mm-hmm. instead of the divide and conquer. Okay. So underlying everything, it's just really the communication. How do you think sex factors into that? Like for a marriage. For a marriage, you have to be able to talk about your needs, your physical needs. And even though it is very personal, it has to sometimes not be taken personally. Sure. So if somebody's working really hard and stressed out at work, maybe they come home and they're not in the mood for any more intimacy than cuddling on the couch and watching Netflix, but the other partner might feel like they need more. Mm -hmm. So it's, 
I feel it's always an ebb and flow. Mm -hmm. The people who come to me at getting divorced, by the time they're ready, their relationship is broken down. They're not, they're not being intimate. Mm -hmm. It's when that lack of intimacy lasts a long time. And when I was a much younger and newer attorney, hearing about marriages who, where couples didn't have sex for three, four, five, ten 10 years. At first, that was shocking to me. Yeah. But now it's not so unexpected. There are plenty of loveless marriages in that way, sadly. Yeah, yeah it is sad. I do think that it's really important for people in a marriage to push through that wall of tiredness or busyness or the kids a step every ounce of energy out of me. I don't have any more for you. Like sometimes you just have to force yourself to get back in the saddle because I do think that that connection is an important part of marital communication. I think that's a component that you can't let go for too long. It's very important. It's yeah. very important, but you have, and, and being a partner and being in a partnership, it means that somebody may want to make love and have a long romantic time, but the other partner might not be right in feeling that way and finding that middle ground, I think can be really important to know that you're meeting each other's needs. And sometimes you just, like you said, just get back in the sit, just do it because it's important to your partner. Yeah. doesn't mean you love your partner any less. Right. It means you love that partner more because you can Mm-hmm. be in the mood or get in the mood or mm-hmm. satisfy somebody else's physical needs in that way. Yeah. It's another form of compromise for sure. And communication. And communica- I was about yeah. to say, and communication. Because it's all about communication. Yes. Sometimes you're talking about a partner coming home too tired. Make the compromise, talk about it, then figure it out. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So when I'm on this research kick here, I want to just mention a BBC study. So I don't know if it's relevant to us, but we'll see. That says that divorce rates are increasing around the world. Um, and apparently there's a spike in searches for online advice on ending a relationship and newlyweds are being the hardest hit. So ironically, I can't even believe this breakups were big in China where there were the strictest lockdowns and in Sweden where lockdowns were voluntary. So I don't know what the truth is. Do you have any thoughts about like, yes, uh, divorces are on the rise around the world. No, they're not. It's because of lockdown. It's not because of lockdown. Like this is all conflicting research. So where do we land, Elisa? I think that the lockdowns do have an effect on the divorce rate because divorce rates were declining mm-hmm. all around the world. And now the research is showing there's a little bit of an uptick in, in divorces. So I do think that the pandemic has brought on more divorces, has caused more divorces. So that's, I think, whether it's because people were locked in the house together or just the effects of a pandemic and it was voluntary. I'm sure voluntary, but people used were smart and they were staying home also. Sure. So it's not just because they were forced to stay home. People were staying home. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic definitely it intensified people's needs to get out. And for some people, it caused them to say, I, I just can't take another minute of it. Filing for divorce during the pandemic, those those cases, which I really didn't get to touch on, mm-hmm. those were really difficult because it's not unusual for one person to have made that decision that they want to get divorced and for the other partner not to really be there yet yeah. and to have to catch up. But during the pandemic, the people who filed for divorce and the people who didn't want to get divorced, the difficulty of the person not wanting to get divorced was 
again, I use this word a lot now, intensified. Yeah. It just ramped up their anxiety mm. and ramped up their emotions sure. and made it much more difficult for them to make decisions to believe how can this be happening? It's the middle of a pandemic and they have so many more issues to deal with, Yeah, whether it's kids in school and figuring out homeschooling or their children's experiences of missing those, those milestones of graduation and dealing with those emotions. Or something that we haven't even touched on, which is actually getting COVID or losing people to COVID. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, all of these things were happening at the same time. So then to have your partner file for divorce and be like, see ya has got to be like, wait, I thought it couldn't get any worse. Yes. You know? Yes. And I, and I did have a few situations like that. And while at the beginning, I talked about how the courts had to slow down. Well, now we're a year into this and the courts want to speed things up now and get those cases that are a year old or older finished. Sure. And so they're really amping up with let's, you know, let's go to, you're going to go to trial. You're yeah. going to go to trial. It brings me the, you know, what my passion is, Lynn, which you're very well aware of is yes. the collaborative divorce process, right? which doesn't involve the court. Yeah. And I was able to promote the collaborative divorce practice and, and the positivity of going through the collaborative divorce, not relying on the court whether it was because things were slowing down or because things are speeding up and you might need more time. Sure. In the collaborative process, it's the couple who are determining the timing. We're not bound by the court's guidelines that you have to finish a divorce case which within 365 days. Right. Not every case can be resolved in that period of time. Yeah. It's interesting because I think there's some similarities here. Like, collaborative is a choice. It's a perspective. Like I want to approach this breakup in a collaborative fashion. And in so much of what we've talked about today is about how we choose to look at things, the mindset shifts that we embrace. You know, when you created your firm, Transitions Legal, it was about how you look at divorce, how you perceive it. Right. And not as a good or a bad, but as a transition from one stage of life to the next. Right. So no judgment there. And I feel like that's sort of the theme of this episode, which is like you're choosing your perspective, you know, which is interesting. And it sounds like in the pandemic, really, it can be a choice of perspective with your relationship, with how you weather this time. You know, so many people are like, I'm done with this. But if you just accept that it's beyond our control and it'll be done when it's done and what can we learn from this? What can we take away from this? Maybe we have an easier time. Can we find something positive to take away from it? Even if it is that I, I've made that decision to get divorced, it's still a choice. Yeah. And how I go about divorcing, like you said, it can be a choice and it can be a choice that you make by slowing down a little bit and doing self-reflection. Yeah. I can be vindictive. I can be malicious. Let's just go and take them for all he's worth. Or we can be respectful and just say, this isn't working anymore, but we can part, you know, in a relatively respectful way. Yes. So it is always a choice and it's not, you don't have to be the mean one in the divorce. You can just say, didn't work. Let's move on. You right. Know? right. So it's interesting. You guys know that on this show, the Make Meaning podcast, we focus on how people find meaning in work and purpose in life. And so I wanted to think about the role that our closest relationships play in defining our personal meaning and purpose. So what do you guys think is the role of a relationship in helping individuals determine their own purpose in their life and the meaning that they fill their days with? Well, when I think about that question, I think about, I know we're talking about a married couple here, but 
when we're talking about relationships, there's so many different kinds of relationships. Sure. So it can be a couple who are married or it can be um, a mother and a, and a child or an sure. adult child or um, two girlfriends. Yeah. Right. Yeah. These are all very important relationships. The one thing that is important for all of those relationships, I think, is support. Uh-huh. Like, are they supportive relationships? Yeah. And what does that mean? If you have the right support, then you can deal with the various situations in your in your life. That's really well said because there's so many different traditions that talk about the people you surround yourself with will impact how you feel, what you believe, the quality of your life. And so, you know, if somebody's bringing you down or sucking your energy or or really negative, that's going to rub off on you too. So I do think that our we have to choose wisely when we decide to allow somebody to be that close to us. You know, even if it's a relative or or whomever, you don't have to be close to them. It's a choice to really deepen that relationship and it should it should be a win-win. What do you think, Dan? I was listening. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> we we uh, there pre-pandemic um you can see the country stopped listening to each other uh-huh. and it came to a head this past year. Yeah. But the whole that breaks down to what Lisa was saying, whether you're married or friends or uh, siblings or your daughter or son or something like that, we had a hard time listening. All right, on the larger scale of politics, it's still no one's listening. But I think down granularly, where we slow down, yeah, we're able to take the time to stop thinking about ourselves and thinking about others and listening to them. Yeah. And definitely, you know, but learn to listen more. Yeah. You know, basically we were forced to. Yeah. You know, there was not much else to do. You know, there's only so much that you're going to sit on the couch and veg on TV. And so there's getting outside and moving your body, but then there's conversation with other people. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. Listening is really key. Remember the beginning of the pandemic? Quiet it was. Oh my God. It was amazing. We were just listening to nothing. Yeah. No traffic. We, we remembered listening to the earth and listening to ourselves. Yeah. Wow. There was no traffic. There was no planes. Was people were so walking quiet. quietly around. Remember the neighborhoods were filled with people walking. Yeah. Yeah. So, and before we didn't know our neighbors. Right. We didn't see our neighbors. We were too busy. Yeah. 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 And, and listening, you know, I said communication underlies so many of the problems in a relationship when people come into divorce. I, I've, narrowed it down to poor communication. But I think what you said, Dan, is so important. The other side of it is listening. Yeah. You have to listen. You have to be a a listening person in that relationship as much as a communicator. Absolutely. And fully listening is not, it's not waiting to jump in when there's Mm -hmm. a pause in the conversation. It's fully taking it in and just knowing that you'll get your turn. You, You don't even need to turn sometimes. Right. It's just listening to the person talk. Yeah. And not trying to fix Hard for guys. I know guys, we like to fix things or allowing a vent and say, here's the other side. You should look at this. No, it's just yeah. like, give the space. Yeah. Just you know? listen. And yeah. sometimes it's self-reflection. Like maybe they're saying something that I need to think yes. about Yeah, and taking that time to think uh-huh. like you don't have to automatically respond. You need to take the time to think and being able to slow down during this past year of the pandemic. Yeah. If it's allowed people to slow down so that they can listen more, then I think that's a really good thing. I do too. So as we close, I wonder if there are any last relationship lessons that we might leave our listeners with today. Take a shower every day. Yes, please. It's respect <laughs> the beard. 
Respect the beard. Oh, I love your beard. I, know, I love yes, your beard. Yeah. yeah. But get the beard conditioner. That's really important. I do have the conditioner. Yes. I know. Uh, yeah, I had to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I know you have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it works. <laughs> yes, I got it for you. Try new things. One thing, Lynn learned to love bourbon and whiskey. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's because we were binging on Outlander and now I'm reading all the books. And so they keep drinking whiskey in there from Scotland. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And I actually, the the more expensive it is, the better. Well, yeah, 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 you yeah. Know? Yes. But um, no, it's been one of my favorite, <laughs> that's one of my favorite drinks. So it's been bourbon. So Aww. I'm glad we can share that now. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Trying new things. That's nice. Mm-hmm. And new foods. I think in any, in any relationship, being able to laugh together is yeah. a really wonderful thing. Like this morning, we've had so many nice laughs together and it's yeah. just a great way to start my morning, my day. And all right. <laughs> Dan Galadner, Elisa Peskin Shepherd, thank you so much for being on the Make Meaning Podcast. Thank, thank you, Lynn Galadner. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here, join us over at makemeaning.org to discover how you can add more meaning to your life. And hey, if you like our conversations, please subscribe and share this episode with the meaningful people in your world.